0: Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
1: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor at large of Recode. You may know me as Scott Galloway's personal hero, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Fox Media Podcast Network. Today in the Red Chair is Scott Galloway, the co-host of my other podcast, Pivot. But he's back on Rico Decode today to talk about his new book, The Algebra of Happiness: Notes on the Pursuit of Success, Love, and Meaning. Here's how Scott says he defines happiness.
2: Technically speaking, happiness is a sensation. And you can get happiness from Chipotle, Cialis, and Netflix. All those things will bring you short-term happiness. I think when we really talk about meaningful happiness, we talk about investments we make through the course of our lives and decisions. And forgiveness we provide ourselves and other people such that towards the end of our life, we feel like we've built a narrative of satisfaction.
1: We're also going to talk about why you shouldn't listen to successful people who tell you to follow your passion. Scott, welcome back to Rico Decode.
2: Thanks for having me, Kara. I appreciate this.
1: No problem. Listen, yeah. later on Pivot, we need to talk about the black hole. But right now, speaking okay. of black holes, I want to talk about your book. Thanks um, for that. So get, talk about how you can't—you've done how many books now? How many?
2: Let me see. Including this one. Two. This will be my second. Is it? The four
1: was your one, right? Yeah, that was my
2: coming out. Explain
1: that one, what you were doing there.
2: So my process is pretty straightforward. The dean called me up to his office, and when the dean calls you and says, come upstairs, it's either very good or very bad news. And Mm -hmm. he said, if you want to be taken seriously as an academic, you either got to publish or write a book. My process for books is I take what I think is my most popular class, Mm -hmm. And then I do a video, and if right. the video gets traction, I write a book. And huh. so I did. A, I do a class called The Four, which looks at the Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google platforms. Mm-hmm. And I you started
1: be, that a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, I've
2: been teaching that section now for five or six years because my feeling because is— Because
1: it was early. You were talking about these issues of this power early. Thank you
2: for saying that. I'm, I'm like, at the bottom of the scrum. Everyone yes. says you're piling on. I'm like, well, you'll no. find me at the bottom. So right. anyways— I talked to the kids, uh, 180 students, about these platforms and how powerful they are because the dirty secret of business school is the second year is just a way to charge them double tuition. We really don't need a second year. And if we were honest, <laughs> yes. the second year would have four classes. But Amazon, it's a luxury bland. Luxury brand. bland. Brand. Luxury brand. It's yeah. a bland. You're it's right. It's a bland luxury If we brand. were honest and yeah. we cared about the kids' futures, we would just teach them four classes, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Because if you understand those four companies, mm-hmm. you understand media, you understand business, you understand income. Anyway, so— and you, a, you assign
1: them all a thing, like they each yeah. appealed to something, right? As
2: I recall. Well, yeah, brain, brain, hard, gut, and genitals. I think these them? things are instinctual. So, Google is God. It's our. It, we trust Google more than any super being. Uh, Facebook is at least the promise of love and connections. Yeah. Amazon is our consumptive gut. The more shit you have for less, the more likely you are to survive the winter. More for less is always the gangster business strategy. And finally, Apple says to the world that your kids are more likely to survive if you mate with someone who carries an iPhone than an Android, because whoever's carrying an Android is a loser Mm -hmm. who doesn't make a lot of money. All right. So Mm -hmm. those four things, instincts, marketing our class is very much based on kind of human needs, et cetera. Anyway, so I did a video, got a million views, boom, book, right? That's my test.
1: And your premise of the four, your conclusion of the four.
2: Oh, my conclusion is that one step, a big, giant step towards tyranny is when corporations meld with government. And- Mm Uh, what we have here is corporations that are becoming our uh, de facto governments and right. become so
1: city states.
2: You had exactly the right term. It's all gotten away from us. Mm-hmm. These things have gotten away from us. And when mm-hmm. they have 88 full time lobbyists in Washington just for Amazon, when they're too complex to regulate and 93 percent of our lawmakers can't regulate them, we're in trouble. And I yeah. think we're you know, it's there's trouble in Houston here. And, uh, you know, we you were saying this early. I was saying this early. And now everyone seems to agree, which is a good thing. So anyways, my last class, and the most popular class. Is a class I've badged the algebra of happiness, and okay. I think kids think you're just trying to
1: get the kids in there and get like a good Yelp score or whatever they do in college, right? We <laughs> <The>
2: have Yelp <laughs> scores.
1: Al- yes, there are. What <laughs> are you talking about? Yelp, there's we totally have Yelp prof- scores. Yeah, you, not Yelp, but there's things like that. I my kid showed them I'm to not me.
2: Fucking Chipotle. I'm I just get a telling, Yelp. You, you, Anyways, I'm sure
1: there's a score for Scott Galloway. somewhere. Well,
2: we get ratings up being. I don't read them ratings. anymore because they hurt my feelings. Right. Anyways, oh. but so I they do this hurt class. Feelings. I can't oh the ratings are so brutal really? oh the comments are so brutal I mean they are because they're true usually which really hurts that's when you know they're they're correct as you read Mm -hmm. it and you feel like you've been punched in the gut and you're like oh my god that must be true
1: what do you care? I,
2: I I care a lot. Did I want to be loved. Did your parents not hug you enough?
1: What I, see, I,
2: this is where I think you're totally full of shit. Anyone <laughs> who claims quite, not no. to care as much as you cares a lot. I
1: really don't care.
2: Twitter, when people say mean things about you on Twitter and there's some truth or credibility with what no, they're No, I say you're right. Out, I go,
1: you're right. That's well, right. You're much more That's involved fair. than me.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, this I think the kids— i we'll say
1: fuck you, but go there ahead. There you go. Well,
2: that helps. I'm good mm-hmm. at that. I've adopted that. So, the kids come to business school, They think, to establish— domain and expertise and currency to to create you know to create economic security for them and their families. I think what they're really coming there for is the step to leading a, a satisfying uh, life. life and right. building a narrative of satisfaction. And so I go through a series of algorithms on w- trying to distill down my observations on what is the difference between the people who are successful and happy and and a lot of people I know who are very economically successful and not happy. Mm-hmm. And
1: where did you come to this idea to do this because it's a little bit off-brand for you, happiness.
2: Sure, I struggle with anger and depression and right. I want to figure out a way to manage it without drugs. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken it on as a personal kind of study and domain expertise to try and or, or trying to develop I read a lot about happiness. I read a lot about what are the signals and drivers of happiness because I I'm blessed on a lot of levels, but I still find during most of the day I'm generally pissed off. Mm-hmm. And I want to manage that. And I want to figure out a way to create create my scenarios and my opportunities and my blessings in line with my mood every day, and they're Mm -hmm. not in line. They're not congruent with my blessings.
1: And many people have studied this. This is a big— It's a huge
2: topic. There's a lot of fantastic research. (laughs) So uh, I take my observations. I did a tremendous amount of research. I try and distill it down to a series of of algorithms and equations, and then I take them to the class, take them through these things. It's my most popular class.
1: Mm -hmm. Like how many people go to it? Like every—
2: Oh, well, I have 100, between 120 and 180 kids in every class, but there will be people do like show up and they have to have security and and, and not let registered students in. I mean, get, I do get a lot of people in the course, but mm-hmm. it's a low bar. A lot of the professors light up a room by leaving it. Some of the courses <laughs> aren't that exciting. Um, So, and they're bored. They're trapped at business school. So, they they Mm -hmm. show up. But I did a video, The Algebra of Happiness. I got 2 million views. Boom. That's my next book. Mm -hmm. So, the first few chapters are these equations, and then I have a series. I do a Friday blog post where I talk a lot about my personal life, my mom— my kids, and mm-hmm. it's a series. I tried to string together those posts. So, Anyways, a lot
1: of feels, Scott. A lot yeah, a
2: lot. Hold me, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's
1: never going to happen. <laughs> ever on this planet. You
2: have hugged me. That's a again. I have not hugged you. Oh, my God. <laughs> you've so scared. hugged no, me. I
1: am so not You me. have so, so hugged me. It's one of those me. like distant hugs. You've a little pat hug. You've hugged maybe. literally hugged it's me. Under and I felt duress. triggered. I felt it's triggered. I felt triggered. But here's the deal. So, wait. Okay. So, it's the algebra. So, you think it could be done in this mathematical way. Why wasn't it the geometry or the or the calculus? It probably should have been better. Calculus is better. I just took like the. I, so. like
2: I took it and failed it. I just yeah. think uh, algebra is a cool word, but yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense.
1: Just so talk about the mathematical idea behind it. Why algebra? Oh shit, that you you're could calling become, me out. No, I want to know okay. about this book. So, you for want example, me to talk about your okay, book? fractions
2: and it's somewhat algebraic. Although oh, right. it's more of an equation. But one of my first things equation of happiness. The ratio of time you spend sweating mm-hmm. to watching other people sweat is a forward-looking indicator of your happiness. So mm. show me somebody does physically s- sweating. Physically sweating, a, okay. an, a, a release of norepinephrine. The, the show me someone who does SoulCycle three to four times a week, mm-hmm. and it goes to sporting events to be social or to to like right. take their kids or do something interesting. I'll show you someone who's good at life. Show me somebody who watches ESPN two hours a night, and then golf or football all day on Sunday. I'll show you a future of failed relationships oh, anger. Wow. and
1: anger. So I, think, I should be thrilled. I'm in Soul Cycle all the time, and I sweat a lot, but I think that's menopause. But keep going.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm gonna avoid that one. Okay, okay. so. But I generally believe we are happiest when we're when we're moving and we're around others, okay. and there's a lot of research to back that up. And I think at some point we're going to decide that spectator sports are the new cancer. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should allow yourself to engage in spectator sports for any more time than you actually spend sweating yourself. I hate ga- I
1: hate watching sports. You know that? Yeah, I I it sports it ball. yeah I'm not into it
2: Yeah, it's not. I'm the only
1: lesbian in America who doesn't like watching sports.
2: Really? Yeah, lesbians are into
1: sports. Yeah, apparently.
2: Yeah, I didn't not know that. Not this one. So, uh, but technically, that's an equation. You know, there's, I think there's uh, uh, three key components that make a good uh, relationship with your spouse. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's one, obviously, physical attraction. I think sex and affection are kind of connote your relationship as singular. Two, I think values that Mm -hmm. young people never discuss are how close are we going to live to your parents? What Mm -hmm. is the role of religion in our life? Mm -hmm. Uh, What do we think about politics? What's our view on the number of kids? And then the third thing that people never want to talk about because it's crass, but it's the biggest source of divorce is your values around money. How much money do you think we're going to make and spend? What lifestyle, what weight class do you expect us to live in? And who's going to contribute to that? Who's responsible for it? Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, young people pick the relationships mostly on the first. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, he's cool, she's hot, whatever. I'm attracted to this person. Right. Um, and they don't focus on numbers two and three. A bunch of them. Uh, nothing's ever as good or as bad as it seems. So I mm-hmm. think that's. Uh, well,
1: let me ask you. So, sure. using the title, "The Algebra of Happiness," you said yeah. you're, you're you're pushing out the idea that there's a formula there's for a this, formula, and yeah. that there's a solution, which is
2: probably wrong. Right. Right. There's probably no user's manual. I think there are signals and best practice, mm-hmm. best practices, and I also want to acknowledge that there are some uh, forms of depression that require outside medical intervention. Mm-hmm. It's not like read this and be happy. Right. These are. This is uh, the the tagline is observations on the pursuit of success, love, and meaning. And I say observations because I have no academic credentials here Mm -hmm. and I have no medical training to talk about this. I can only say these are my observations and I've done a decent amount of research. But, yeah, there's no user's manual. I talk a lot about the importance of money in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And for some people, they have decided that their path to happiness doesn't involve a lot of money. And I get that. Majority of the kids I'm around are in business school. Are very focused. For example, I do a survey. What percentile do you expect to be in in terms of in- income in- earning, and what percentage would this you is say in, the class, you in class, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I ask them how much money they expect to be making in ten to twenty years, and mm-hmm. almost all of them expect to be in the top one percent. I mean, literally, right. like five of them who decided I'm going to go work for Charity Water or Teach yeah. for America, give a salary, and they're in the top one percent. And the reality is, I think one of the one of the learnings is if you expect to be in the top one percent, you need to acknowledge that balance is a myth in your 20s and 30s. I don't Mm -hmm. know anybody. I mean, everybody knows I should back up. There's always one person that's such a genius and so good at what they do that money just kind of falls into their lap. They have a great relationship. They're great looking. They get along with their parents. They volunteer at the ASPCA and they have a food blog. You (laughs) should assume you're not that person, right? (laughs) And the majority of people I know that have managed to get to a certain economic weight class without inheriting that money Mm -hmm. pretty much give up their 20s and 30s for work. And we pretend to kayak and we pretend to... Be really interested in something. after. Do you have pretend
1: kayak, Scott?
2: I, I, I'm a <laughs> kayak pretender. <laughs> do you
1: wander around with a no, paddle no, around CrossFit. the streets of Manhattan? <laughs> and,
2: and you, know, you know how you know if someone does CrossFit? Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. tell you. <laughs> I do CrossFit, <laughs> the car, Cara. Right? Um, uh, there's
1: a lot of CrossFit people in Silicon Valley.
2: But did you have a lot of balance in your 20s and 30s? You're successful.
1: I worked a lot, but I love work. I love it. Well, I'm okay, so that's
2: you're blessed. You got to do something you like, which it. takes me to another another yeah. or tourism. I think it's total bullshit when people tell you to follow your passion.
1: I think oh, it's really? total bullshit.
2: Uh, the majority of the speakers at Stern have one thing, two things in common. They're usually billionaires. Mm-hmm. You know, you billionaire, come talk to us. Right. And two, they end their speech with "Follow your passion," which mm. is usually being preached to by a guy who's on stage who made billions in iron ore smelting. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is, y- your job isn't to find your passion, but to find something you're good at, and then invest in it and become great at it. Yeah, and I
1: think that's true. That's true. You know what my passion was? What's that? Architecture. Really? I love architect. I wanted to be an architect. I took it courses since I was in high school. It's well, tough.
2: writing has went a structure. To
1: Harvard. No, no. Here's the thing. Yeah. I was a shitty architecture student. I was joking. Everything I designed, I love right. the drawing and the precision of it. I love the whole the T-squares and it. stuff. Like, I wasn't, and I was very acknowledging that I wasn't good. Everything yeah. I designed was ugly, nice. and I knew it. And so I thought, okay. I would love to do this, but I'm actually good at this other thing. And right. I remember thinking, I can't do that because it would have been ugly. I would have would have been a series of ugly homes that I designed for people who didn't like them.
2: But this is I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a thesis yeah. and you tell me right. Right. You started in journalism and you were good at it, maybe not great uh, at it, but good at what? it. And then you worked at it the and best. you became great. No, at I was right.
1: It. I was I won the award my freshman year. There you sorry. go. There I you was go. the best <laughs> from Only the you. All right. No, so yeah. I won the Bun Award oh, at Georgetown. Around. I Here was a freshman. Go. It was a senior award. There we go. I won the. I had the best buns. Oh
2: God! Okay. Anyways, yeah. so That's most people. Happened. I have a Most still. people I find wear it
1: sometimes. Most
2: people find find something they're good at. Right. Invest right. and become great at it, yeah. and then the accoutrements, psychological reward, money, uh, you know, respect that come from being great at something will make you passionate about whatever yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a gift with numbers and you understand tax law, uh, the best tax accountants in America. A, get better health care, get more money, and have a broader selection set of mates and marry people better looking and more interesting in them. And you mm-hmm. can be passionate about achieving all those things. Mm-hmm. But the problem with telling kids to pursue their passion is that when they hit a roadblock and shit gets real at work and it gets hard, they think, oh, this must not be my passion. I should find something else. Right. No, that's called work. Right. So you don't, you don't want to hate it. You can't mm-hmm. hate what you do. I don't think you can be great at anything you hate. But if you have some aptitude at it, you can become great at it. And then, then I promise you're going to— All right, more formulas.
1: These studies that you looked upon.
2: Um, okay. The ra- ra- next
1: thing we're going to talk all about your obsession with the internet ruining everybody's feelings. But anyway. There man. you go.
2: Um, okay. The ratio, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it, your perception of good things and your perception of bad things is always exponential to what the reality is. And that's a fancy way of saying nothing's ever as good or as bad as it yeah. seems. Yeah. And this is really important because there will be moments in your life where you're killing it mm-hmm. and you're doing really well. And what you have to realize is that's not your fault or it's not entirely your fault. It's a function of the environment, the market's being right. way up. Mm-hmm. And when you start believing that this really is good and I am really great, you you be, you stick your horns out too far, you become too risk aggressive and the market has a way of regressing you to the mean and really hitting you hard. At the same time, when bad things happen to you, um, you also have to realize it's not entirely your fault and it's probably not as bad as you think. And when something, you know, we all have bad things happen to us where that night we're just a, we're just a chocolate mess, or mm-hmm. at least I do. And something that's comforting for me is I realize nothing's ever as bad as What's it a seems. What's a chocolate
1: mess? I'm sorry.
2: Staring at the ceiling, upset, okay. can't think about anything, nervous, anxious, don't yeah. want to eat. That's how I'm a chocolate mess. Anyways, that's you don't recognize that.
1: No.
2: Anyway, there you go. Yeah, you're you just you just go hit a hit a speed bag or something. Anyways, um, no, I
1: just go oh well. Collect
2: more medals for no, your journalism. I'll
1: explain my theories later, but let's talk about yeah, yours. I like that. Also, death is the I'll, is the is the way I motivate myself.
2: Uh, are you an atheist? No. But, but why would I be
1: an atheist? Why would I know? It's okay. ag- I'm agnostic. How's that agnostic? I don't A-
2: agnostics know. are closeted atheists. No, they're not. Agnostics I don't. No, no.
1: Are N agnostics to the o. are
2: atheists who are wimps. No. Come out of the no. closet and say, I'm you're not an atheist. atheist. I'm not. Agnostic, free to be you and me. That's such Do you bullshit. You know
1: what? Sometimes I look at the moon and I think, God. There you go.
2: There you go. <laughs> But a, but okay so but uh, is your is it because you have a finite nature of life? I think this is yes. Important. I'm very right. aware
1: of the end. our mortality. Yes, my dad died when I was little, and it gives you a lot of
2: and it's coming faster than we think. Absolutely,
1: right? I'm very aware of every second.
2: And it makes you more deliberate. It makes Absolutely. you more appreciative. And it also, grateful. when
1: things turn bad, I'm like, eh, that's fine.
2: Yeah, it's not. It's not that big. At the end of my life, it's probably not, not going to be something deal. I think a lot. Another thing, um, you know, life isn't about what happens to you; mm-hmm. it's about the way you react to what happens to you. Like, mm-hmm. I think Donald Trump is a probably a pretty happy guy. Yeah. And he's mastered the ability to be a terrible person and have terrible things happen to him and still not let it affect him. Now, that probably right. means he's a sociopath. Yes, that's,
1: I was just going to go there. But
2: I think a little At bit of At least a, a yeah.
1: personality disorder, but, but little, possibly moving over to sociopathy.
2: But a little bit of it is recognizing, okay, when bad things happen to you, yeah, this is bad, but... But most people, if, if older people, the, the one piece of advice older people would give to younger people when mm-hmm. they survey them is the, what do you think it is? What do you think the one piece of advice older people would give to their younger selves?
1: You're going to die.
2: <laughs> that's actually part of it. Okay. It's, it's, that's probably the root of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's they wish they'd been less hard on themselves. They wish they'd been more forgiving of themselves. They wish they'd been less hard on themselves. And they said, yeah, this was, when this happened, when I screwed up, it was bad. But in the big matter. picture, it wasn't that big a yeah, deal. And yeah. I wish I hadn't given myself such a well, hard so time. It such a hard
1: time. I, when, I was, when I'm talking to students or younger people, they're, they're on such an achievement wheel. Oh, yeah. I'm like, get the, hamster. the achievement. It doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, the spinning wheel. It doesn't wheel. matter. You're
1: not, it's not going to get you any faster. And pleasing people is really not going to do yeah, it.
2: Yeah, losing the script. So, right. I mean, a bunch of things. Um,
1: but they've been trained that way Did you get into this high school. Again? That's it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and it's, and it's important. And I call this section losing the script that you're on this wheel. Get to a certain level of economic security. And you can always raise your lifestyle to consume all the money you make. And you get to a point in your life where you may have some economic security, but you haven't invested in relationships. You haven't figured out what really makes you happy. And I, have a, I know a lot of people in my life who are economically secure but not very happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, another ratio in terms of economics, what is rich? Rich is having passive income greater than your burn. My dad makes $48,000 a year with Social Security and his pension. They spend 40 they are rich. I have a lot of friends in New York. I imagine you, you, you do too. That make between one and three million dollars a year at managing directors at Credit Suisse or managing hedge funds, and they spend all of it between their ex-wife, their alimony, their house in the Hamptons. They spend all of it. They're poor, and I think they're under tremendous stress. W- yeah. Wondering when the music's going to stop. Wrote me
1: that someone very wealthy and still kind of just wrote me that that he was depressed because he.
2: It's frightening. It's It's frightening when you stop
1: buying
2: so much. Yeah, it's it's well, you know, young people, kids focus on their income. Adults focus on their burn. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out how you get to a point where you almost have passive income, greater that is, that's the definition of rich. He's rich if he has
1: extra money left
2: over. Doesn't need to work.
1: Right. has
2: no stress in his life. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a peace and a dignity in that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then um, you know uh, basics like your the perception that people think that things will give them is always overrated. The happiness you get from stuff. You overestimate, and we underestimate the happiness we'll get from experiences. So,
1: right, the that's news the mega condo thing that's going on. One hundred percent. The
2: news news there is drive a Hyundai and take your husband to Africa. Right. I mean, yeah. so there's just some what basics. Kind of car do you have? What kind of car do I have? Oh, I have ridiculously fat cars. I have a— well. So I,
1: here, what are you doing? You're not taking your own out. Yeah, but I'm insecure, a, nice. and
2: I'm in, I'm in the midlife crisis that I'll grow out of in about what car 40 do you years.
1: Have? Again, I have a Ford Fiesta.
2: I know. I love yeah. that. It's a turbo, though, I've heard.
1: It is a turbo. It's that's a the six mojo it's in you six coming six out. Six well, that's I'm, the mojo. I'm selling it anyway. I'm giving
2: the money it. I just want to be at the Ford dealership <laughs> when someone says the weakest flex in the world— Put a turbo on that Fiesta. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally like, that is the weakest flex the in the world. Shit, you know, it's a very fast car. Oh, my God. You know, someone, oh my Peter God. Kafka
1: borrowed it and was making fun oh of me. And then God. after he drove it, he's like, oh, I see. It's very oh fast.
2: Oh, God. That's it's a just, lovely little car. This is ridiculous. I wanted a Mazda
1: 3, but they oh don't sell God. them in this country Put extra anymore. cheese
2: on that Big Mac. <laughs> no, I, mean, it's just no like, I
1: wanted a Mazda 3 because it's uh, a sporty little car. And it, they didn't sell is it in this country. the worst the in the world.
2: No, it's a great car. Mazda is, like, is literally the I worst brand in the world. I, I have a, a Tesla. I have a big Mercedes truck for all the kids and dogs. And I'm about to buy you have a the
1: Mercedes new.
2: truck. Yeah, the GL550. Oh, it's so gangster. Oh, no,
1: it's not. I'm
2: an ambassador of the family. No. Hello. <laughs> Donkashin, baby. Bitter. That's right.
1: We're here with Scott Galloway, whose new book is called The Algebra of Happiness. After a quick break, we'll talk about social media and how Silicon Valley is making people into a bunch of sad and angry addicts. We'll also talk about how to create meaningful relationships with the people in your life and why people who care for others live longer. This episode is brought to you by State Farm.
0: You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline
2: Professor
0: Diana Posulka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe?
2: What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say, yeah, aliens are real? Is it a spacecraft landing
1: on the White House lawn? Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House. And that's one of those cases that is still weird. (laughs)
0: That's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Okay, we're here with Scott Galloway. His new book is called, he's also the co host of my other podcast, Pivot, which is rising in the ranks. It's very popular with the people.
2: Risen. What We've risen, Kara. No,
1: I got to tell you, people come up to me all the time to talk about you. It's really weird. Do
2: they? It's wearying. What is, um, what is yeah. he like? Oh, yeah. What a thrill. <laughs> What a thrill. And I
1: go, he's an asshole. That's what he is. And they're like, really? And I'm like, no, he's fine.
2: You know what I say? I just say, I come up to people, I point at them, I'd spin, and I go, Scott, Scorpio. (laughs) Scorpio. That's my move. It's that's really my move. move. Anyway, yeah. we Hard have to believe I was podcast, a podcast, which was you're very good
1: at. Po- so one of the things you've been talking about on the podcast, and yeah. this gets into this book, The Algebra yeah. of Happiness, is how unhappy social media makes you yeah. and technology. Yeah. So talk. did you write about that? What, 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 well, talk sure. About that.
2: So we have, uh, I mean, it's 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 pretty basic. We have a fantastic instinct, a competitiveness gene that's a, a key to evolutionary progress, and that is we have a tendency to anchor off the most successful person we know. Mm-hmm. In, in your instance, it's you among all your friends, of course. So, yes, it is. But the problem is, there's usually or almost always someone more successful than you on different dimensions, mm-hmm. and it bums you out that you aren't them. And right. that's that's important to, for competitive, um, for improving, you know, the evolutionary cycle. But it also can make you unhappy. And what we have with social media is we have essentially something, especially Instagram, where it's constantly being rubbed in your face, mm-hmm. sort of FOMO. I had it last week to a point, a friend of mine, this woman I know, I use the word friend loosely, I just know her, was literally Instagramming every 30 seconds her tickets and her experience at the Game of Thrones premiere. Oh, no. I would have literally killed somebody <laughs> to go to that. I would have like, give have me someone's name. Mm. Give me someone names I okay. know. Next time, and I thought, okay, I'm old enough to modulate this. If I was 17 year old, I'd be self-cutting, and you know, in aren't my aren't you, room. Upsetting. See, now
1: I would think the woman who did that's just a loser, and like, well, what's
2: wrong? Well, they but, but there's two and a half billion I don't use losers Instagram. right now. Okay, a, there's a billion losers on Instagram. Well, I'll make no, each other I get it like because shit. it's
1: performative. It's performative. I was thinking of doing a whole thing, and I did it a little bit on Instagram of really ugly things, like yeah. really unhappy things. Like I did a, I did a picture of a bag of pee in San Francisco, of which you can find a lot of places. Yeah. Um, all kinds. I did all kinds You're, of. Guard. <laughs> I always thought
2: you should do an Instagram real life. Yeah. This is my real life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think exactly. So I
1: thought it was, and it was people like, hey, that's not cool. I'm like, yeah, I think it's pretty I, cool. I was like, Trying to do it. Yeah. See, I think I was gonna do. I was gonna do a, a, a holiday card with my kids where we're like smoking and, and littering and shit like that. You know how you get those <laughs> cards from people.
2: I did one like, with my cat as the baby. We're Jesus. We're not
1: recycling properly. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I did one with my cat as the baby Jesus. Oh, that's mocking cute. That's,
1: a cu- that's cute. I want to do something unpleasant. But so Instagram. So go ahead. So Instagram. Okay. is so uh, fear
2: of missing out. Well, right. These companies are biomechanically addicted us. Uh, uh, constant feedback, you, random rewards. Ra- yes. You're not. Oh come on. Twitter is your my. Twitter smoking. is,
1: but it's not because it's you not because I, I don't feel bad on it. Inst- I don't. Instead of taking
2: a smoking break, you and I check Twitter. But it's Twitter. not
1: performative. I, that, I think Instagram is very different because it makes you see glimpses of people' lives where they're yeah. always happy, like yeah, that kind rich, of thing. And, and rich, whatever. But, and whatever. I, I don't believe a word of it. You know, essentially. Yep. Except for some of the puppy shots are cute. Yep. But
2: George Conway's dogs, George, his corgis. Oh my god, the Corgi. <laughs> I knew I'd get take you off track with that. I love that. You should have seen Kara Switcher's shoulders just went down. Like, oh, I love them. Uh, I love them.
1: No, I, I don't love, love the corgis. I like that George Conway, Conway will talk like talk trash corgis? Trump and then show corgis. I like the entire juxtaposition. And that's
2: the chocolate and peanut butter yeah. of social media. Social yeah. media does have some redeeming qualities. But uh, I mean... Then you have these algorithms mm-hmm. that are not, they're not benign, they're not malicious, they're just trained to figure out more engagement to create more clicks and more Nissan ads. And they figured out that our species, the key to engagement is enragement. Mm-hmm. And so you're likely to find, if you go on and try and have a substantive conversation and or you have any sort of political views or views about anything on social media, that the algorithms will likely take you to places of rage more often than you would without them. Mm-hmm. Watching all in the family or she's the sheriff, or even the Kardashians, it may make you like you need to shower after watching them, but they don't mm. enrage you. They don't right. say we purposely figured out a way to biomechanically piss you off. Being on screens, you know, this much time, te- teenagers, less time with their friends. I mean, this stuff's getting, It's. I do think there's an emerging mental health crisis, especially among our teens, emergency room visits up 120%, especially among young girls, because we're in an era where we don't like to, we don't like to acknowledge there's a difference between boys and girls, but there is, boys bully, Physically and verbally, girls bully relationally, and we've armed, armed them with nuclear weapons in the form of social media to mm-hmm. make other 16 year old girls feel like real shit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I, I think we have absolutely no understanding or little understanding of how much damage is being done to our youth with these weapons. And I don't think we have anything resembling gun control.
1: Right. In that way. In yeah. that way. We also don't have gun control. There you, um, you
2: go. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's Likewise, interesting. We also it, don't It doesn't I think
1: even even the, the, the that murderer in New Zealand, he was – that was part of it is becoming yeah. ham- amped up on on that and, and being unhappy and, and, and venting. It's a really interesting yeah. thing. Some, and sometimes venting is a good thing, right? Because you're like, oh, you're mad. You're going to – like video games, for example. Yep. Are they damn? It's, you know, there's it's no evidence
2: kind of, they result in violence,
1: right? So it, it could be venting. They could yeah. be who? Know, you know, there's yeah. lots of different feelings on that. Obviously, yeah. there's lots of different studies. But
2: they all these guys, all these wackos, kind of fit the same profile. They're usually young, disconnected, Screening. socially frustrated.
1: On social t- media,
2: young young men mm-hmm. who have access to assault weapons. I mean, that's,
1: right. On social media, it was. A, yeah. It's really interesting that a lot of them do use the internet quite heavily. Like and all kinds of signals on social media. Not video games. The internet. It's a really yeah.
2: interesting. There supposedly there isn't a link they can uh, between video games and these mass shootings so far. They mm-hmm. haven't made a connection. You know, Northern European, Northern Europe, where they overindex in video games, don't have mass shootings. But anyway.
1: Anyway, so 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 when you when you have this algebra of having is yeah. What do you? prescribe what is the prescription then to to do with that is because it would and what what responsibility does the tech companies have in that
2: Well uh, because it's
1: addiction for one but it's sure. more than that it's not just addiction it's something else
2: Yeah my,
1: behavioral my, modification is what it is I think I, that's what I don't talk Whittaker a lot about it. I don't
2: I don't talk I took a break from tech with the book mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a lot about I mean and this is this is kind of the money shot this is the net net and every major study shows the following if there's one key signal or indicator of happiness, it comes down to a very basic thing. And okay. that is the the number and depth of meaningful relationships you have. At work... Analog f-
1: relationships. Analog, yeah, okay. yeah.
2: At work, do you feel respected and admired? And just as importantly, do you respect and admire other people? Mm-hmm. Among your friends, do you feel a sense of camaraderie and joy? And, and just as importantly, again, do you get that sense that they sense camaraderie and joy from you? And then finally you know with your family do you feel a sense of real meaningful love and support and do they get that from you and it, that is it comes up number 1 in every study and it's not easy it doesn't happen naturally it requires investments one of my equations is supposedly the most powerful force in the universe according to Einstein is compound interest you Explain know, these,
1: that, please.
2: Well, you put,
1: so we put a dollar. Put and, a
2: thousand bucks in a bank account when you're 25. Boom, it's 40000 when you're 65. Mm-hmm. If you had this magic box, how much money would you put in it? I think the same holds true with relationships. Those little text messages, those, little, those efforts to go to your high school reunion, those efforts to check in on people, those efforts to congratulate people when something good happens, those efforts to check in and tell them you're sorry when you hear about something bad happening to them. They're these tiny little investments, and then you wake up as, as someone our age, and you have really meaningful relationships.
1: Does it matter of- where they come from, whether it's text or in person? or?
2: <sighs> I'm not an expert on that. Right. I think our digital age does afford us a lot of opportunity to touch people in meaningful ways, even if it's not in person. But, yeah, nothing beats in person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a relationship between teens and depression and how much they see their friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyways, and then the, the other interesting finding, and I talk a little bit about this, and this is more of a do as I say, not as I do, but you know what the number one signal of unhappiness is, according to the Harvard Grant study? No,
1: I do not. Um,
2: the number one thing that was prevalent in men who had kind of come off the tracks, and of course, the study tracked 400 men, which gives you sort of a, 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 a insight into what we were thinking about in 1929. We didn't give a shit about women's happiness. Right, right. We just tracked 400 men.
1: Yeah.
2: Anyways, that the comes number- as a
1: huge surprise to women. Because... Yeah,
2: know, that was a shocker, right? <laughs> is the number one thing that was most prevalent in men who were consistently unhappy was alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that young people take stock of their relationship with substances. When I first moved to New York, I worked at Morgan Stanley, and every night I'd go out and get shitty drunk with what felt like other successful people. And it made me, you know, I think not studying at UCLA made me a mediocre banker, but I think drinking and alcohol made me a mediocre person. I lost contact with a lot of people. I wasn't very productive, I wasn't very healthy. But I was a highly functioning semi-alcoholic. I mm-hmm. still worked for a premier investment bank. I was making a lot of money. Right, uh, drinking for me helped me socially, helped me bond with other people. Sure. And I took stock of it and said, okay, I just need to stop drinking.
1: And a lot of people don't do that, obviously.
2: Stop drinking, or a lot yeah, of people stop would. Drinking.
1: Yeah. Don't stop drinking. It's really yeah. interesting. I don't drink at all. Very much. I, every I occasion. think you need to start occasion. though. So I think no, because I like you. to observe people drinking. It's really interesting. I, I, I think I can count on my hands well, the times. Spoiler
2: I've been alert: They act like fucking idiots.
1: <laughs> no, but I watch. It's very. It's a great time to observe people. I have to say, and I how believe, much they drink and stuff like that, that and not because yeah. because obviously people deep problems with alcoholism yep. and stuff like that but and it's and and the, the stuff is made to do that like yeah. it's like it's the same thing with pot or, or or weed or anything else um and it's just an interesting it's interesting to watch in terms of people that aren't alcoholics but use it in other ways you know what i mean yeah. that, that are damaging in a way that's
2: well it lubricates a lot of things yeah. and I, I i actually would argue i i advise my friends when i go on dates to just make sure you have a couple of drinks but which is probably the wrong advice but you know. But uh, w- w- looking That's glasses,
1: that.
2: looking advice. glasses into people's souls, I think are one how they behave drunk because I think you become more like yourself when you're drunk, oh, and interesting. and I think when people become mean, some people can mean become mean yeah. drunks. That's oh, a yeah. really negative indicator. I have and also, gone out with some mean drunks, and also how they treat their pets. I think is a really interesting look into who they really are.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but yeah, absolutely, alcohol is a key test of someone's character, mm-hmm. how they behave when they're Fucked up,
1: and then and then now weed, obviously, and and stuff like that, vaping, all these other stuff yeah. that's going on.
2: I find marijuana, and again, I find marijuana is a great way to relieve stress in moderation. And you know, I'm a big. I, I didn't. I smoked a lot of pot in college, and I gave it up for thirty years. And I found as I get older, and I don't want to drink as much alcohol because I can't. I literally can't handle ex- alcohol mm-hmm. now. I don't know how we start talking about cannabis, okay. but I find marijuana. I it up. There you go. I find it's actually a great way to relieve stress in mm-hmm. moderation.
1: It's interesting. I've, I've done some podcasts with Michael Pollan and stuff like that, yeah. talking about all those things in terms yeah. of making people happier, like using LSD and stuff like that. The
2: microdosing, and yeah, flow it's interesting. And all it's that. a big thing
1: in Silicon Valley, yeah. but they're doing it because they're egomaniacs. But this is, and they think yeah, they're with a
2: the new thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I, thing. I think it are is interesting. Ayahuasca, what's yes, this shit? Ayahuasca. Yes. And they say you throw up, and they say I'm not doing anything. You throw up.
1: Yeah. I've been invited to do ayahuasca quite a bit. Well, of course you have. Not ever going to happen.
2: <laughs> of course. You, I'm going to do a lot of heroin about the week before I die. <laughs> okay. Supposedly that's <laughs> right. the okay. real gangster All drug. All right.
1: Okay. So, so getting back to, to what you were writing about, yeah. in this modern age, yep. how has it changed from before, this idea of, of how you get to happiness?
2: Well, I think you just— And also,
1: uh, what is happiness? What is—
2: You know, I think happiness, so again, the the title probably shouldn't be calculus, and it probably shouldn't have been happiness, because technically speaking, happiness is a sensation. And you can get happiness from Chipotle, Cialis, and Netflix. All those Mm -hmm. things will bring you short-term happiness. Mm -hmm. I think when we really talk about meaningful happiness, we talk about investments we make through the course of our lives and decisions and forgiveness we provide ourselves and other people such that towards the end of our life, we feel like we built a narrative of satisfaction where the pendulum will swing up and it'll swing down, but it's on a higher plane because we have established a lot of deep, meaningful relationships. We've had a lot of moments that stop us in time. For me, the moments that stop me in time and that I try and have more of is moments of real, like emotion with my kids or mm-hmm. observation about wonderful things with my kids. It happens sort of randomly. And that makes me eternal. It stops me. I'm in the moment. I'm eternal. I'm here for a reason. And it, I, I fast forward to the last time I'll look into my kid's eyes and knowing, Our relationship's coming to an end because I am an atheist, and I'll think, okay, I checked that box. I was here for a reason. I was just a Mm -hmm. blink, but the blink matters. And so it's how do you put yourself in a position to have more of those moments when you have really deep, meaningful, emotional moments with people you care about with people who care about you, I right. think. I think that at the end of the day, that's. Except, that's the you know, one name. of
1: the things that that's that's probably loneliness is on the high. People living oh, alone, gosh, people huge. not not. It's really interesting. Those stati- those statistics and those numbers are really fascinating. And of course, there yep. was the no sex numbers that came out the other day, but I think those are maybe a little hyped. Um, that shit's crazy. Yeah, but the, the living alone and being lonely, is, I think, is the number one. It'll in be, this country particularly.
2: Especially, isn't. yeah, it's it's really— it's Maybe uh, Russia. <laughs> it's, they're it's, always miserable. You right? know, everyone calls everything an epidemic. But mm-hmm. the number—we're more connected, but we feel less connection, right? right? And uh, when I first moved, when I was living in San Francisco, I was working in e-commerce. I was married. I was working around the clock. And I just found I didn't like myself. I didn't like my friends. I hated e-commerce. I hated venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. I hated feeling Whoa. like I was on that whole money train. Yeah, a lot of hate, a lot of angry, a lot of self-hate. And so I decided to press the reset button, got divorced, moved to New York, quit my job, resigned from the board of all these companies and joined the faculty at NYU. And I literally just went on an island. And I would leave my—I would basically leave my loft just for food, sex, and occasionally go to the ready teller. And Mm -hmm. I did that for like 24 months, and this instinct kicked in. That if you don't start engaging with people again, you're gonna die. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and there's evidence that if you aren't engaged with other people, uh, you know, the hormone that goes out to clear out the bad cholesterol stops secreting. And if you wanna see a man die fast, just have him live alone. Mm-hmm. Men don't survive when they live on their own. Yeah. Women are better because they maintain social connections better than men. Right. But, yeah, happiness is engagement and, and not only that, longevity, right? Uh, blue Zones, a fantastic book, basically said that the number one indicator of someone— Explain
1: what a Blue Zone is.
2: Blue Zone is there's an area in Italy, Osaka, the San Ysidro Valley, and somewhere in Greece where people have abnormally high likelihood of making of becoming centenarians. hmm so fast is going may to Maybe
1: miserable scenario.
2: <laughs> that's right. I, I think a lot of people literally live to 100 because they're yeah, so pissed off. Do you they're know angry. What? I keeps ran them into going. two
1: people the other day. A friend of mine's parents are, are 92 and 96. They I had a ball with them. They yeah. were so happy and literally just
2: having a great time.
1: Great time.
2: And were they spouses? 92, 96. Spouses. 96? Oh, mm-hmm. That's nice. That's, that's a nice story. About
1: 50 or 70 years. 75 years married.
2: Three indicators of your longevity. The number three is genetics. Everyone thinks it's number one. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's less important than you think, right? Because we all want to abdicate our health and treat our bodies like shit and not worry about it Mm because Uncle Joe lived in 95 smoking a pack a day. That's wrong. I hate Number two, genetics is less important. Number two is lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And you can summarize it down to like, don't be obese and don't smoke. Yeah. And I'm not trying to fat shame, but you're obese, you're probably going to get diabetes and die early uh, or die earlier. And smoking is the largest, you know, the biggest preventable form of early death. But the number one signal, the number one, you know, I think driver of you're likely to make it to 100 is how social you are. Or put another way, kind of how many people do you love? Mm-hmm. Care- caregivers live longer. When your parents move in with you, you live another two to three years. New mothers do not die. There's something about the act of caregiving. And it makes all the sense in the world because all the things that propagate and progress the species were rewarded for. Mm-hmm. Eating is fun. Right. Having sex feels good. Caregiving, you are literally rewarded. Those are the most important people I in the world. I would
1: agree. Good. I would agree with that. Yeah. One. I think it's true. Yeah. I 100%. A
2: people. And uh, people who care for other people and get good at it, the mental and physical nuance and strain of caring for other people is difficult. And it sends a signal to the big security camera in your Amangala what? that says, What is that? Well, you do have sort of a security camera in your brain trying okay. to figure out if you're adding value. And oh. when you're at SoulCycle, it thinks you're hunting prey or building housing and it says, You know what? <laughs> let her stick around a little longer. When I had you a good are doing Soul Cycle
1: last night. Let me just did say you? Lorenzo, Sometimes it works. Let me shout out to Lorenzo. Sons, sometimes some Soul Cycle. Let me just say some of the Soul Cycle movies, millennials that are giving me life advice. There was one the other day, yeah. I'm not gonna say the name of yeah. the Soul Cycle smiling. But did Awful. he have a corgi? No, 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 no. Okay. No, this Lorenzo was great. He yeah. was great. He was really funny and yeah. great and super fun, just funny. The other one was talking about their own problems yeah. and kept going. It was like a 25 year old was like, You can change. You could." It was like, No, you, you can can't. I no, can Like, I literally, I've told, I've told you my dream is to run a soul cycle class. For soul, reality.
2: Soul crushing soul cycle. Soul crushing right? cycle. <laughs> which is
1: like, I'm going to play Madonna, oh Adele, God. maybe some Dan Fogelberg, something I like, like it. that. I something like it. real,
2: Michael weepy. Baldwin.
1: James Taylor, Michael Bolt. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to play all those, George Michael probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, and play them, and then I'm going to go. Hey, you know that boyfriend? He's probably cheating
2: on you. <laughs> <He's>, he isn't <laughs> in you. He, is. he really isn't in you.
1: by the way, your job, probably yeah. sexism, will hold you back by at least yeah. $20,000. You're, you're going to
2: make 78 cents on the dollar. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I just like all these things. Yeah. And like, you know no, what? Yeah, you I really are average. I get There's it. There's not that yeah. many special people.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. him managing a I club really I'm, was a red flag. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay, back to okay, so okay, you, fool, you fool the brain, you right. fool the, yep. the security camera. Yep. When you're engaged at work or doing a crossword puzzle, yeah. you fool the camera into believing that you're actually making decisions for the clan. And yeah. the most important thing in the world, the most important thing that speaks the
1: clan, really?
2: The like, clan? We haven't been
1: doing the clan the thing for a long time, what do you call but okay, it? whatever. I don't okay, know. but okay. we are not. There's no um, more clans anymore. And then
2: finally, caregiving. So yes. you want to live longer? Start caring for other people.
1: All right. Okay. So we'll be back in a second with Scott Gally, who has a lot of feels today. I like this feels yeah. thing. I like this Scott. I'm you're drunk. Usually, you're gonna <laughs> we're gonna tape a pivot <laughs> next, and you're go. gonna like go after Mark Zuckerberg. Like I'm like ready. Howitzer.
2: Let the real me shine through. Yes, I know.
1: Let the real you shine through. Anyway, Fucking and then we're gonna sociopath. get drunk and see what happens. We're here with Scott Galloway. His new book is called The Algebra of Happiness. It is a bit of a pivot for him. (laughs) We're going to take another quick break now, but after this, we'll talk about unhappiness, parenting, and who should read this book. We're here with Scott Galloway. He is my podcast co-host on The Pivot podcast, which is an increasingly popular podcast. and making me happy. I know that. Um, And he has a book out called The Algebra of Happiness, which is... Formulas. So I want to talk about like what are the formulas? You talked about a little things that matter and stuff like that. What are the? What's the algebra of unhappiness? Is it just the opposite then? Loneliness. That that that's what it is.
2: Well, I think disconnection, not having meaningful relationships. Quite frankly, not sweating enough.
1: Not sweating. Um, not
2: but friend. you know, probably I I, I think I, I go through a series of what I'll call exogenous shocks or mm-hmm. risks to our happiness. Mm-hmm. And we all have those risks, and we want to kind of, if we I like can— like
1: exogenous. I don't there you know go, right? Means, I use that a
2: lot. It's like my new favorite word, although someone on Twitter reminded me I use the word gestalt every 45 seconds. seconds gestalt. I, I got to stop using that. Anyways, <laughs> and most of the people in our um, kind of weight class economically in our age group, I think the biggest risk to our happiness is something negative happening to our kids. I think if you talk to most people our age yes. who are in good health, the thing that has really taken them off track and literally sent them into a very serious— point of stress and unhappiness for months has been when something comes off the rails with one of their kids. And I think the biggest, and this goes back to big tech, I think some of the biggest risks to people like us who are blessed with a certain level of economic security, professional happiness, hopefully a good relationship is that one of our kids, it enters into this downward cycle of, of, you know, depression and a lack of self-worth. And it's for a variety of reasons. I don't want to blame it all on social media. A lot of it is our fault. Mm-hmm. There's concierge bulldozer parenting where we clear out all the obstacles such that we use so many sanitary wipes on our kids' lives. They no longer develop immunities.
1: Sanitary wipes, really? Right. Oh, my God. I used to my kiddies off the floor, but go ahead. There
2: you go. Well, <laughs> that's the problem. Though It's actually a pretty good thing, right? Yeah. Your oh, no. babies are supposed Cats to be a little bit burning. eating bird-y. off the floor. Yeah. Yep. So, but the problem is, I, th- I think the biggest risk to, uh, I would say, our cohort is that their teenage kids run into trouble because they're not adequately prepared. They're physically safer than they've ever been, but they're more emotionally fragile. And I think you the, the other chaser cocktail in that that's really unhealthy is all this social media that they're engaging in. So, I think the biggest risk to us, quite frankly, is... Um, one, something happens to our kids. I think it's never – it's losing the script and realizing that money and success and ambition are the means, not the ends, and we never get to the ends.
1: Yeah, it's – you know, this this recent thing around the, the the college things and everything else, It's it makes me think a lot because I tend not to help my kids that much. I help them yeah. a little bit, but – and I like to do motherly things and stuff yep. like that, which I think is nice. I think it's actually – they like, and I don't think it babies them in a way that's negative. But it really is interesting because I struggle with um, the idea of like doing – too much for them like going yeah. to things and like today my son just called me he's like I don't want to go to this thing it's for college and stuff right. like that and I'm like well whatever yeah. your, I said it's your trip around your the globe I don't care your life. he goes so what should I do I go I don't know you should figure it out and I hung up um, so it was interesting I thought about parenting. that I yeah. thought about it because I it's thought I'll let do, him though. fa- if he fails he fails that's the way it goes
2: yeah it's hard to do I mean we're about to put yeah. Aunt Becky in prison and I kind of
1: Aunt Becky's holding out it looks like
2: yeah but that's a bad move I know it everyone is else that's co- what I was everyone thinking everyone else
1: copped Went, you Felicity's
2: know. gonna get gonna get six months probation and, it's and a big be zero. She's gonna and, be like helping some and people out stick, old home. And right. Lori's gonna find out orange is the new black. She's
1: going <laughs> to prison.
2: Uh, Aunt Becky, Aunt Becky is 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 shower is gonna mean an entirely new you thing what, for that Aunt You know that doesn't Becky. happen
1: for girls. Just so you know, just giving you some information there. Is that All right? right? Scott, yes, it does. Do you oh my God. learn
2: that from your prison consultants? No. Oh, let I, me have my fantasies for God's no, sake. There's
1: nothing like that. Oh, either. come on. Whatever. By the way,
2: that's my favorite genre of films: prison, women's prison films. Oh, my that's God. my favorite art form.
1: There's always a young candy. Yeah. And so, there's a woman. Oh, okay,
2: so kids. There's
1: always a woman smoking like the tough one, and a then she gets one? like electrified at, <laughs> <She owns the laughs> at the end. She owns the yard. She owns the yard.
2: Andy Sidaris, great filmmaker. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, right. something happened to our kids losing the script. Right. And then uh, a sense of loneliness or disconnection. All right.
1: So, who do you think is going to read this book? Who, who needs it? What are you giving it to employees? Because sure. this seems like something that they'll hand out at Google, like, <coughs> like cotton candy or something. Uh,
2: the audience. The audience for me. Those is, people is, are, is, are robots. Twenty-seven-year-olds starting their career. Mm-hmm. I want them to do what you know I didn't have a sense of, and that was not. You know, I generally care. When I was twenty-seven, I just wanted to make a shit ton of money and have sex with as many women as possible, and generally be fucking awesome. Those are my mm-hmm. entire goals. And what I realized as I got older is even though I didn't get all of those things, if I could get most of them, it wasn't making me happy. So what is, if I think early on you can define, okay, so another thing, the most important decision in your life. What do you think the most important decision in your life is? Oh. Okay. Well done. You don't want to guess? Most important decision in your life. <sighs> the one thing you need to nail to be happy.
1: Should I taste this?
2: Should I taste this? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: It was on the floor. There it we go. Good. All
2: right. We could have gone a lot of ways with that. So anyways. I don't um, know. I don't know. I think the most important.
1: I don't think as much as you do. The majority
2: really do. the majority of, of kids in my class, mm-hmm. they think the most important decision they're going to make is the career they choose.
1: Oh, no. And oh, it's not.
2: not. I think the most important decision you're going to make in your life, full stop, is who you decide to partner with the rest of your life or specifically who you decide to be your mate. Mm-hmm. I think the people I know, I know people who are. Not that successful professionally, but they have a great partnership, and the disappointments and the successes are just just are less harsh and burn brighter, Definitely. respectively. Yep. And then I have friends who are hugely successful, blessed on every exterior metric whatsoever, live amazing lives, but they're not. They don't have a partnership. They love their husband, they love their wife, but they don't have a real sense of partnership with right. them. They're on. It's like they just have different priorities. It's yep. like their marriage but is a transaction. It does happen
1: every time too. Yes, it becomes a logistical. That's why I got It's divorced. an agreement.
2: That's it's a transaction.
1: Interested. No, it was a logistical company.
2: Yeah, it's a sort of a corporation. Yes, you manage said. this division. I manage this division. Yep. So I think being really thoughtful early on, one, putting yourself in a ton of social situations. Go out, meet people. And in the, this confusing era around a lot of the you know important conversations, I encourage men. I have this cottage industry of counseling my friends, young young boys, who because I think a lot of young men are failing. To say, I think you need to be aggressive with women. And what I mean by aggressive is go up to strange women and initiate conversation. Yeah. And when you go on a date, grab her hand. I don't think that's inappropriate. She right. will let you know if it's inappropriate. Mm. But I think it's important that young people put themselves out there and try and find mates. Nothing wonderful, and this is another equation, if you want outsized returns in the hedge fund industry, you have to take outsized risks. Mm-hmm. Nothing wonderful will happen to you professionally, personally, personally. In terms of relationships, unless you take an outsized risk, I tell the story of how I met my wife. It was the middle of the day at a hotel pool. She was sitting with another guy, and I went op- and I went up and opened. What made you do that? I looked at her and I committed to talking to her before I left. Mm-hmm. And it was uncomfortable. I was sober, which made it, it just terrifying. Mm-hmm. What and was I, your line? What was your? Where mind? are you guys
1: from? Yes. Hi. Where are you
2: guys from? Yeah. And my and it was at the Raleigh Hotel in Miami, yeah. and I cut to the end of the story. And I have a series of these stories in the book. My older son's middle name is Raleigh. You know, we were married. We had kids three and five years later, and we were married eight years later. And mm-hmm. it's been, you know, that she's been the epicenter of the most wonderful things in my life. And I tell these kids that if you want something wonderful to happen to you, you are going to have to take an uncomfortable risk in every dimension of your life. Mm-hmm. And the majority of people aren't willing to take those risks, and That's so they. True. They punch in their weight class. And the key to punching out of your weight class professionally, economically, and from a relationship standpoint is taking uncomfortable risks.
1: That is true. That is true. That is true. Thanks some so people that. do it intuitively and some people do not. It's hard. Some for people them. are
2: just risk takers? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think so, don't you think?
2: Yeah, some people are more comfortable with it. Uh, oh. we, in America, we actually have a gene risk taking because the majority of people who got here took mm-hmm. a risk to get That's here. That's
1: right. I agree. And the people that kept going.
2: Kept going west.
1: West. And the people that stopped in Pennsylvania. So Pennsylvania people. eh. Yeah.
2: People in Maine, not so
1: much. Not so much. (laughs)
2: Yeah. People in Hawaii. It is interesting. Whoa, they're that. crazy. Well, no, he came from... Put it all on one. black. Yeah, right. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That kind of thing. All right, so I want to finish up talking okay. just a little bit about what about unhappiness? Why is an unhappiness okay? Because I think that is being unhappy is all right. And I think in well, this moments society... moments of
2: introspection. Right, yes. Of sadness. Yes. I, I'm going to
1: use a broad term of unhappiness. I th- sadness, I guess it's true. Because 100%. I think one of the things that our society does is saying you... And it's a really interesting thing. I think about being gay and stuff like that. And there's all these images of straight people be, having... in movies happy, happy, and it'll end up happy. You know what I mean? Like, now there's, like, negative movies, but there's a lot of them are, like, you finally in the rom-com get there. Right. And so you feel like you, you didn't have that, and therefore your life isn't like that. Gay people never got any of that. We always yeah. got, we always ended up committing suicide. or having a tree fall on us. Like, so we were not That's expect- so
2: not true anymore. <laughs> no, it's gay not people, anymore. It's awful Will and now. and Grace, oh, everybody's so happy now. now.
1: Well, though they're kind of, they're not. All
2: gay right, people no. are quirky and fun and Funny successful. And successful, absolutely. right, exactly.
1: I know. We want to go back to our miserable. No, we do not want to go back yeah, to our yeah, miserable. We'd yeah, like yeah. a little bit of happiness. But what's interesting is the inability to deal with sadness or unhappiness.
2: 100%. So you know, that
1: I think is also, because huh? there's an algebra of sadness that's actually good for you.
2: Yeah, and I think that a couple of things. One, being in the moment and really absorbing sadness. So I talk about, I lost the capacity from the age of 25 to 40 for 15 years. I didn't cry once. I lost the capacity to cry. I remember even thinking when my mom passed away, it would help to cry. And I didn't know how. You, Mm. You can forget how to cry. Yeah. And now I cry all the time. Do I cry you? on movies. I cry on planes. I cry talking about my mom. I well up talking about my kids. Are you going to cry And I find right it, now? I Just, could. Okay. I literally have, I have, contr- okay. I have, contr- I have behavior good. modifications, so I don't. I start thinking about other things. Right. Mostly the medals you got for journalism. <laughs> Anyways.
1: <laughs> I could <have> show <laughs> you a picture.
2: But crying is the really. The Bun Award. Cry- absorbing sadness and it's crying.
1: Is, uphill from there—is
2: really wonderful. Yeah. Crying feels yeah, really, really good. i then cried in a while. Another algorithm. Oh, God, it feels great.
1: I've cried. And Lots then another algorithm
2: or another another equation, if you will,
1: mm-hmm.
2: is that the key. one of the keys to happiness is the ability to mourn and mm-hmm. then to move on. Yeah. When bad things happen to you, you yep. deserve to be sad. It's a yep. normal, healthy yep. reaction to be sad. What you have to be careful of mm-hmm. is that you don't get stuck. Right. And you need to go algebraically or mathematically – This bad thing happened to me. Right. It would make sense that I would be sad for two, three, or six months. Mm -hmm. When my mom died, I woke up two years later and realized I still hadn't gotten on with my life. Right. And so I decided to ask other people for help because I'm like, I'm stuck. Right. And I didn't like to admit is what I saw as an alpha male master of the universe dude that I should be taken off course by the death of my mother. Yeah. And it just, it didn't, like, it didn't incapacitate me, but I found I just wasn't moving on. Yeah. And There's a
1: line in Moonstruck, you know, like, snap
2: out of it. Snap out of it. <laughs> I once told that to my girlfriend who was bipolar. And boy, oh, no, you no. should have seen the don't reaction I got from don't her. I should, that. Well, wouldn't it be that fucking easy, that don't you don't idiot, that. snap out of it. Don't do so, not do that. So, yeah, I remember saying like, snap, I saying snap out of it. it. But anyways, the ability to <laughs> mourn and move on, and also oh, Cher. Be recognizing- Cher has
1: given me a lot of, unha- of happiness. Cher has given me a lot of happiness.
2: I saw her in Saint-Tropez. Oh, did you? She was 90 I degrees out. I have lists out. of people
1: who give me happiness, like Dolly Parton.
2: Oh, uh, uh, come on. Dolly, Dolly gives everyone happiness. That doesn't make you unique. Kitchen um, drawer last night. Have you been to Dolly World? What's it
1: called? Of course I have. Hello. Um,
2: Dollywood. Anyways, share was at Sank in case On you're Did
1: I'll be happy to go with you.
2: Share was at San On San. Oh, right I love because, that. I know that. You know that. I know. Of
1: course, I've been there. That what are you strikes talking me about? as a place you would mock. I did, and yeah, yeah, I enjoyed and it completely. Yeah, it? it's a yes. kind of fun.
2: Are you going yeah. to Cannes this year? No, I'm refusing. Okay. Anyways, I was gonna say we go to Sank On Sank. Anyways, I saw share there. It was 90 degrees out, and she was wearing a leather jacket and a leather jacket and aviators. Oh, Yeah. And like a giant wig. <laughs> yeah. I love. I respect anyone oh, who I has the balls to go on infomercials talking about shampoo and a wig. I mean she's sold billions of dollars <laughs> of shampoo wearing last. wigs. I am
1: going to get to my last part. Do you imagine they'll be will it be able to just be happy with like drugs? You know there'll be like adjustments either chemically or like genetically. They will get to they, a point where we like can we'll calibrate for s- Yeah, calibrate.
2: Shit, I don't know. I don't and if they that do I don't know. I don't know if it's a bad thing. I'm not exaggerating. I I, pl- I think a lot about end of life. Mm-hmm. I take a lot. I do this great thing called one second every day with with uh, with things meaningful things in my life, and I'm going to relive my life over and over. I'm going to do heroin, and I'm going to have my I'm going to die pissed. at home, and I'm going to have my kids around me. Wow, and, you're ooh, not my, i are planning. As, as Frida said, what was it, great artist? I want my exit to be fucking glorious, and I don't want to come back, Kara. Oh,
1: okay, all right, that's fine. Do you know what? I'm having a Viking funeral.
2: Viking funeral. Plan, it's in my way. Viking well. quest. I am having
1: to... a Viking funeral. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to die. There's going to be a boat. Oh, my it's gonna God. Fit... Anyway, and then archers are going to...
2: You got to have All that, my guys. stuff
1: is going to be on it because I don't want people to touch my stuff. What's his name? The Damon
2: brother? The less famous Damon I brother? I want my kids
1: to learn archery so they could do it. They're Just not Just very... show up? I've already explained it to them, and they don't like the idea, but I want them. My, son, my one son is like... Come hmm. over
2: here, ye, while I de-brain you.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to do the archery... All my things will like be like the on
2: Barcelona it. Olympics, where no, they shot Viking, the bow. A
1: Viking boat with me on it on a funeral pyre. Do you understand?
2: You want to be burnt?
1: A Viking funeral. I'll be dead. What's the difference? Yeah, Everything that's I own a will weird. be on the Viking boat.
2: That's a little weird. you have
1: never seen a Viking funeral. Speaking of
2: happiness, Game of Thrones coming I out this Sunday. will be wearing an outfit
1: like that? That's that gives you happiness. I right? can see it. Right, Viking I funeral. can see it. I think it. it's brilliant. I'm think, in. I'm there. <laughs> You're going to be dead before that. Gonna, you think? Yes, probably.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I yeah. get the sense you're going to live a very long time. I do, too. Yeah? I already know it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, here's to your long and happy life, Carol. <laughs> your short and happy life.
1: Oh, no, you're not going to have a short life. But it is interesting to know which one of us is going to go first, right? If mm-hmm. you
2: could know, would you want to know? Suppose Supposedly there's a DNA test that can tell you within like 95% confidence. like Two to three years plus or minus. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I would do that. Time it sure. out. Wouldn't you like to? I think about that all the time. I used to read comics like that all the time.
2: The only reason I'd want to know is I would like to literally leave my, leave my kids like each a hundred bucks exactly. What? Here's a hundred bucks. mean? Uh, I don't know. Help me. What are you
1: talking about?
2: I don't know. Really? I think grit. I think grit and Whatever. a sense of I've got to make it on my own. I
1: was left a lot of money and I'm thrilled yeah? with it and I work really hard. So.
2: That's you know what that's a brave thing to say. Most oh, yeah. people would be embarrassed to say not that. Not me.
1: No. Good for my you. My grandfather worked hard. He gave this. But you know, my brothers and I grew up very wealthy, and we actually work really hard. It's a really my mother. But let me ask me you this,
2: uh, kind unfair. of back to you, because I think about this a lot. I would not, if I had been you. Mm-hmm. I would be fucking fabulous. I'd have a cocaine habit, drive a Range Rover, no. and be dead at fifty. No. And I wouldn't have worked at all. And no. I would have loved it. It
1: skipped a generation. My mom is on perpetual vacation and she wanders around my house and turns all the channels but to Fox that, News. That's but, what she's doing right now. But in there's my house science in San there. It's usually
2: the, it usually does skip a generation. And no. then they say, okay, dad lost grandpa's money, now I'm gonna make it back. But my question to you is how it's, what did your mom, what happened to instill a sense of grit in you with money? Because I, I wouldn't have had it. My dad
1: died. I think my dad died, and my mom uh, left us store on devices on, on work, on, on school stuff. She didn't, like, press us. She didn't press us.
2: I yeah, but know. not Who being knows? an involved parent but gave you grit? Your I mom? Know.
1: I was just thinking, I was thinking of the college tour recently. I, my mom's like, oh, I took you on. I'm like, no, you didn't, actually. You didn't. Right. We went on our own and stuff like that. My mom's interesting. She took us to Broadway shows, so that was always a great thing.
2: Okay, so I'm going to flip it back to you because right. people are more I mean, interested we in we you. Then must go and question. take pivot. So, Okay, uh, uh, what are the things, the signals are the biggest things in your life that have taken you, that have made you happiest, and what are you know, and what are the things that have taken you off track?
1: Uh, I don't think they've taken me off track. I don't think I've taken, I don't think, you anything, don't has think taken...
2: if anything has taken you off no, track. No, it's like, that, you know, that, know that, the, the, in that, that Indian life?
1: story where the, the horse that finds the horse— do you know that story? I
2: don't know it, and I'm scared to comment on it.
1: <laughs> it's the story of a brave that finds a horse, and he brings it back, and they say, oh, you're so lucky you have the horse. And then the, right. the, he falls off the horse, and breaks is saying, oh, you're so unlucky you have the horse. And then broken leg, he can't go to war. And then they're like, oh, you're so lucky. And, and, and every time they say that about yeah. something that follows, yeah. maybe is the answer, maybe. You don't know what anything leads to. So, uh-huh. my dad dying was negative, but also right. it's made us in good things. So, that's how I look at it. Happ- the things that are happening is my kids. I love yeah. my job. Yeah. Uh, I've had a bunch of really interesting relationships and great, good ones and bad yeah. ones and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fundamentally unhappy person. Mm-hmm. I don't I, – I get sad. I, I, and I also get sad when I'm sad. Yeah. And I'm not sorry about it. You know, what I mean, I think that's, I'm not, I don't hide sadness.
2: Wait, you get sad when you're sad, meaning you get upset at how sad you are? No,
1: or no, no, I think people hide happy uh, unhappiness. happiness, yeah, sadness, I and I don't. I'm like, I'm sad. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, don't be sad. I'm like, it, yeah, I think I'm going to be. No,
2: right they now. see it as a sign of weakness. Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't yeah,
2: Now, no, when I was growing up, our best friend, um, my mom's best friend, a guy who was kind of like a father figure for me, killed himself, he lost his business, oh. and killed himself, and everyone called it. it was so weird. They called it a nervous breakdown. We didn't even what? call it depression then. They called it a nervous breakdown. And yeah. as men, you weren't allowed to have them. Right. It was just a sign of weakness. And
1: yeah, it's true. Men, a whole, we, that's a whole other show of how men aren't allowed to. I have. Yeah. I'll tell you what the theory I have that makes me happy. I think the sun is going to explode someday, and the entire planet's going to be melted. And I feel great about that you're because done with it. because then you realize everything well, is ephemeral, sense. and that's then you're right. happy.
2: Let's enjoy it. You know the one I'm word. Start a religion. The key. There's a Exploding Latin word. Sun cult. There's a Latin word for seizing the moment and enjoying happiness and joy. You know what, that word. The word. No, it's Chipotle. <laughs> okay, Chipotle. Oh, man, Scott. Oh, as All good things in life. And now
1: you have gone rubber band the back Cialis. like to superficiality. And vitamin I, like water deep, and I like deep, Scott. But we're going to yeah. do superficial Scott next in our pivot. Got it, Scott. This is a great talk. I like all the feels. I like all the big emotion you're having here. Thanks for the promotion. Um, no, pr- not promotion. It's a great book. Are you here. kidding? I'm, this
2: will I've, sell a dozen extra books at least. Th- you know what?
1: <laughs> Your shows are super popular for reasons that are unknown yeah. to me. Anyway, thank you so much. It's thank the you, algebra Ara. of happiness. What's the second part? Observations? Uh,
2: notes on the pursuit of love, meaning, and happiness.
1: Okay, meaning. Oh, I didn't get it. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm
2: sorry. Notes on the pursuit with of those health. Those observations. God, I'm sorry. You're fucking with me. Stop <laughs> this. Notes on the pursuit of success, health, And meaning. Nice. Oh, fuck. I got that wrong. It's
1: okay. It's It's called the Algebra of Happiness. (laughs) Just
2: buy the damn thing. It's
1: called the Algebra of Happiness. Apparently, there's a formula... I, of course, failed algebra. Anyway, Scott, it was great talking to you as thanks, always. Thanks, Kara. Thanks for coming on this show. And thanks to you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher, where I'm spending a lot of time retweeting George Conway, Scott, work when you find you online.
2: Prof Galloway mm-hmm. on Twitter at profgalloway.com. On the book,
1: is there any special happiness? Yeah, uh, ha-
2: the Algebra of Happiness book or algebra of or Prof Galloway or oh, Amazon
1: or. Nice. All right. Okay. We'll buy it. Anyway, now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.